Raise the flag. Light the cauldron. We, we declare the, the game's, game's Odyssey, Odyssey open. Welcome to the game's Odyssey podcast, your home for stories of glory from the Olympics and Paralympics. I'm Jonathan Jordan. And I'm Sarah Patton. We both love the Olympics and Paralympics, and we love history. And most of all, we love Olympic and Paralympic history, which is why we are on a journey through all of the Olympic and Paralympic games from the ancient Olympics held at Olympia all the way to now. And last time we talked about the London 1908 Olympic Games, where figure skating made its Olympic debut 16 years before the Winter Olympics would become a thing. Today, figure skating is one of the most popular, most watched events during the Winter Games for better or worse, and its champions often become instant sports royalty, which is why today we're talking about the first ever gold medalist in women's figure skating, the legend and original skating icon Madge Sires of Great Britain, who won two medals in London 1908 after breaking the ice ceiling in the world of figure skating and securing her place as the latest member of Club Kineska. All right, Sarah, had you ever heard of Madge before we started putting this episode together? You know, I feel like in all my nerdy Olympic research, I feel like her name was vaguely familiar, probably from stumbling across her in a book. Mm -hmm. But I honestly um, did not know much about her at all. And especially what we'll talk about that, you know, she was yeah. a two-time medalist at those games and just how much of an impact she had. So I, you know, I think I heard her name a few times, maybe you have seen a picture, but no, mm -hmm. I did not know much about her. What about you? Yeah, no, I knew nothing about her. In fact, in our plan for all the podcast episodes, I didn't originally have her down to discuss because I had never heard of her. It was really only from researching the 1908 games when I started looking more into her story that I said to myself, self, we need to give Madge an episode all her own because her story is really, really interesting. So yeah, so I'm really excited to get to share her story with uh, all of our listeners today more than anything else. Um, and tell you what, before we get into talking about her, I do want to kind of detour a little bit for a second because uh, we were just talking about this, but I have been spending some time recently on Reddit and have discovered there's a really big Olympics and Paralympics community on there. Uh, now, Sarah, I think you just told me you've been on Reddit some as a lurker. Did I say that yes. correctly? <laughs> yes. Like, I have the app downloaded. Yeah. Um, I'm going to out myself. I'm a big Survivor fan. So, and, and on a side note, I feel like from social media I've gathered, there is a huge overlap between Survivor fans and Olympic and Paralympic fans. And yeah, I'm totally hijacking this, Jonathan. That's fine. Uh, in the fall, there will be a new season of Survivor in the U.S. because there are versions. There's Australia, South Africa. Um, and I've connected with Australian fans who love the Olympics and Paralympics and Survivor Australia. But anyway, in the fall, in the U.S., there's going to be a Paralympic athlete who is on mm -hmm. Survivor, and I cannot wait to watch oh, wow. it. 
um, yeah, so that's my side note. We'll talk about that probably in a few months, but um, <laughs> so because of Survivor, I've been a lurker. I think I have a username that was generated for me. I hope I never yeah. have to log back in. I might just go create a new account because it sounds like you're having so much fun on Reddit. Tell us about yeah. it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been really cool interacting with other Olympics and Paralympics fans on there and talking about the history of the games and then current events happening. So um, if any listeners out there are on Reddit, uh, we are now on there as well as Games Odyssey. And I purposely designed the avatar to look like Pierre de Coubertin. So um, I might have to we, we might have to throw that avatar up on the Instagram so people can share in the joy of the creation. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself, honestly, <laughs> for, for the design. Uh, but yeah, so really cool community on there. Uh, so you can track us down there. And if you've been looking for a place to dialogue with a lot of other Olympic and Paralympic fans, uh, it's happening there. I, I was scared to get on Reddit, honestly and I've been having a lot of fun on there. But anyway, we'll, we'll get back on track now instead of talking about social media and Survivor <laughs> and everything yeah, you're in welcome. between. Yeah, I, I've, you know what? I've literally only watched one season of Survivor. It was the second season. It was the one that was in Australia uh -huh. back in 2000, yep. which, yep, Tina. you know, of course, the Sydney Tina games. and Kobe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's literally the only season of the show I ever watched. So it, okay, it's been a minute. I'm, I'm going to speak this into existence. We need to do a podcast episode about survivor players who have been in the Olympics or Paralympics. Um, okay. Yeah. In recent memory, um, Elizabeth Beisel was mm -hmm. uh, on Survivor a few years ago. Um, and she, she went pretty far. Um, and then... Crystal Cox, who was an Olympian, um, she was in Gabon, which was one of the seasons. So, yeah, I could just ramble. Okay. But, yeah, maybe that's something that we do in the future when we, you know, get through all the Olympic Games. But <laughs> we have when, nothing else to talk yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're a Survivor fan, please connect with me because I'm telling you there's an overlap. And I want to know why. I don't know if it's just the competition. I don't know if it's yeah. just I, I don't know what it is, but there seems to be a big overlap. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, oh, and I'm also going to say Katie Ulander, the five-time skeleton winner mm -hmm. Olympic athlete. She's yeah. on the Survivor. She's on the Survivor crew. Oh. Like yeah. She spends her off-season in Fiji filming Survivor. Follow her on crazy. Instagram. It's she posts very pretty things. So That's crazy. Okay, yeah, I would not have uh <laughs> I would not have dreamed of that overlap. So, um anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So I know I said we were getting back on track and we did not. We got way off the rails there. But yeah, let's let's get back to talking about Madge Sires and, you know, figure skating. So, um, you know, we have talked about this a little bit before that we both like figure skating. Um, and, you know, it's one of the sports I always make sure during the Winter Games to set aside time to follow whether it's the team event um and even ice dancing uh i enjoy watching as far as all the different types of figure skating events go sarah which one tends to grab your attention the most pairs singles Ooh, that's yeah. a good question <laughs> i really like pairs just because i'm always blown away by <laughs> some of the stuff that they do um but yeah. i think that 
growing up in the 90s with mm-hmm. Tara Lipinski and Michelle mm-hmm. Kwan, I think I'm inclined to say the women's individual. But I mean, it's fun to watch all of it. It's because we're also coming off of 2022 where Nathan Chen just was a rock star. So I loved watching him. So, you know, maybe it depends on the Olympic cycle. But as a 90s kid, I got to say probably the women. Yeah. And, you know, they probably tend to get a little bit more attention Mm -hmm. nowadays than the men do. And we're going to get into this a little bit in the episode, how that shift has happened, because figure skating did not start out that way at all. Uh, So I think that's a pretty good segue for us to be able to talk about Madge's story and how she opened the door for all of these wonderful female figure skaters that we all love watching today. <laughs> so I'm going to kick it off uh, or kick it over to you to tell us a little bit about her background. Recently, my son asked me, Dad, can we go to the Olympics in Paris? And I said, well, I guess that's one more thing I need to save up for. And because I've always been lousy at saving money, I use Acorns, a savings and investment app that has helped me save money without thinking about it. Every time I swipe my debit card, it rounds up to the next dollar and invests the change for me. And every week, it automatically drafts a set amount for my bank, so I don't forget. Plus, I get bonus earnings just by shopping online at places like Nike and Shop Disney. It's trusted by me and 7 million others, including Olympic gold medalist Kevin Durant. Click the link in our show notes and sign up today, because no matter what your savings goal is, Acorns can help you grow. All right, so Florence Madeline Cave, later known as Madge to her friends, was born on September 16, 1881 in Kensington, London, to her parents, Edward Jarvis Cave and Elizabeth Ann Cave. She was number 10 of 15 children in her family. Holy cow. Though another source said it was 12. (laughs) Though once you have that many kids, we can see how it might get hard to count. So I guess cheaper by the dozen. I don't know. Yeah, math Um, is hard. It is, it is. But... (laughs) They had a lot of kids, and she was number 10, so she was pretty far down the line. Yeah. Um, her father, Edward, worked as a builder, but one source called him a disgraced and bankrupt bankrupt property developer. Apparently, he was terrible with money and ended up doing some shady deals, which eventually caught up to him. It looks like his financial and reputational ruin may not have happened until around 1901, when Madge was an adult and out on her own, so his financial ruin probably didn't really affect her directly. That same source also said that genealogical records have proven that her father also had a second family, where he also had 10 children with his mistress, Pauline. In fact, when Madge's mother, Elizabeth, died in May of 1909, he waited only a month of quote-unquote mourning before marrying Pauline. So, yeah, he sounds like a great influence. Um, He got around. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I mean, you have to wonder back then, you know, did they know what was going on or was he really good at hiding it? But, I mean, a secret family with 10 kids, I mean, how do you hide that? I just... 
Maybe it's a good thing I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, before the age of social media, there's something that's maybe just best not to know. Uh, regardless of his shadiness, though, his income and connections allowed for Madge to grow up as a member of aristocratic society, which introduced her to sports at a young age. And she proved to be quite the athlete, showing talent in both swimming and equestrianism. As she entered her teens, ice skating started to become a popular social activity in Victorian England. And in 1896, a skating venue was opened in Knightsbridge, known as Princess Skating Club. And 15-year-old Madge became a regular and discovered she excelled at skating. So that's pretty cool to be able to find out you're really good at a new sport to try. Yeah, absolutely. Um a fun fact I discovered while doing the research for this episode is that figure skating actually gets its name because when it was first organized as a sport, it was focused on skating figures. That's right. Making figures on the ice with the blades. So circles, figure eights, hearts, question marks. You get the idea. And it makes me wonder if we need a modern version called emoji skating. But <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's going too far. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I, well, yeah. But I did know that um, in okay. terms of like figure skating. And I feel like there's times that I've heard people analyze ice skating by talking about the marks they leave on the ice. Mm. But usually it goes right over my head. So I don't know. I guess I need to research that, that, you know, do certain skills still leave a certain desired mark you know what i mean yeah no i know what you mean but i don't know i just never put those two things together and then once i read it it was kind of a, a duh moment of well of course that's why it was called that but i just you know you learn something new every day it was just one of those moments um <laughs> anyway in the 1860s so we're, we're kind of rewinding here for a second but in the 1860s a new york ballet dancer by the name of jackson haynes started to make a name for himself by pioneering a style of skating that looked like dancing so he combined skating with ballet to create what we would think of as figure skating today in fact, he invented some of the spins that are still used in the sport to this day. Now, poor Jackson Haynes, he was mocked in the U.S. for this new style. But you know who loved it? Europeans. So his style ended up becoming known as the international style of figure skating. Which, again, this was all new information for me, but sounds like maybe you have a little bit better sense of the history than I did. <laughs> I mean, not much more. I just knew oh, it had okay. to do with figures on the ice. So this story about Jackson was new to me before yeah. reading about this episode. Um, I guess in some ways he was ahead of his time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like he was setting the standard before the rest of the world really caught on. So, uh, yeah, we can kind of point back to him as being the person who gave us what we think of as figure skating versus just making shapes on the ice. Anyway, back to Madge. Yes. So in 1899, <laughs> she was noticed by Edgar Morris Wood Sires, a figure skater and coach at the Princess Club who noticed that she took the sport more seriously than her peers. She was naturally competitive, not just treating it as a fun diversion. 
Seeing this, plus her natural talent, Edgar decided to coach her and foster her talent. He was also a widower, so with no one to go home to, he really seems to have given all of his attention to figure skating and, well, Madge. So some people might see where this is going. Yeah, there's a little bit of creep <laughs> factor here, honestly, but yeah. uh, but we're going to have to get over um, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, Edgar was not a fan of the English style of figure skating, which tended to be very rigid in its style. Instead, he loved what was called the international style, known for its free and flowing movements. And he encouraged Madge to take on this style in her training, too. He felt like this style would be the future of the sport. And, well, he was not wrong. Nope. Even though Edgar was 18 years older than her, so, you know. There's that. Yep. They decided to enter the <laughs> first ever pairs figure skating competition in Berlin in 1900. There, they managed to place second. And then in June of that year, they got married. So she became Madge Sires. Yeah. I mean, again, a little bit of creep factor in there. But I mean, she was 18. She was on her own by that point, could make that decision. But, you know, so who am I to judge, yeah. I suppose? It's, well, and we also know that, like, people got married a lot younger. I mean, we know he was right. older. But yeah. that, right now, in 2022, 18-year-olds getting married seems really, really rare. But yeah, not, and, and I want to be clear, like, I'm not saying that, like, this should be the norm. What I am saying, though, is that, um, I feel like she probably had marriage on her mind as an 18 year old more than mm. I probably did as an 18 year old and yeah. wanting to grow up and all of that stuff. Does that make sense? No. Like, it, yeah. It, I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that like that stuff is great, but yeah. also understanding the different time period. Yeah. Different, different time, different culture, different norms. Um, you know, what I took away from this was the fact that she was a, a teenage skating star, right? So uh, again, we were just talking about some of the things going on with the ISU and the change in age that just got implemented. And, you know, here you have her learning skating at 15 years old, but then here at the end of her 17th year, doing really well in a skating competition and then, you know, being fully competitive at the age of 18. So, uh, you know, again, we're seeing some similarities to practices that are still happening today, which I thought was interesting. So while they enjoyed that success as a pair, Madge truly excelled as an individual, but there just weren't really many opportunities for her to compete as an individual because at that time, figure stating was considered a man's sport. But honestly, all sports were considered men's sports back mm -hmm. then. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that was pretty much par for the ice rink, so to speak. Um, also, an interesting note on pairs figure skating that I found during this research. At this time, it was apparently not uncommon to not only see male-female pairings when you could have them, since there were so few women doing the sport, uh, but you would also see male-male and female-female uh, pairings in uh, pairs figure skating. Now, part of that's because they weren't doing any crazy lifts yet, like what we're used to today. Uh, that 
of course, would have just been outright scandalous. Um, and there was very little stylistic difference between men and women's figure skating back then. But still, um, it was worthy to note that pairs figure skating could look a little bit different back then than what we're used to. And then, of course, you mentioned 1896 earlier, and we all know that the first modern Olympiad was hosted in 1896. But, Sarah, you know what else was hosted for the first time that same year? Uh, tell us. <laughs> the World Figure Skating Championships. That is interesting. That like that was news to me to put those in the same year. Yeah, yeah, I would not have expected that either. So again, we're just kind of learning along with everyone else here. In 1902, the World Championship was coming to Madge's hometown of London. But this was known as a men's only event because, again, it was 1902 and pretty much everything was a men's only event still. But like her Olympic forebear Kainiska, Madge found a loophole the rules did not specifically bar women from entering. So I think that you can guess what she did next. <laughs> she showed up in all of her female glory to the world championships. <laughs> and at first, it appears that some of the judges wanted to ban her. But then upon consulting the rulebook, they discovered she was right. Their own rulebook had let them down. <laughs> so they had to let her. But more on that later. <laughs> yeah, I I love that story so much that she realized, wait a second here. It doesn't say that women can't compete. So I'm just going to sign up anyway. I, I love her boldness to mm -hmm. just confidently do that uh, in a time when I'm sure that would have just been, you know, shocking. <laughs> yeah, but like. As with so many other sports mm -hmm. or certain sporting events, like it took a woman just showing up and being like, well, it's not the rules. So, yeah, let's change it. Yeah. I mean, the Boston Marathon comes to mind of like, I think it was a similar story. So and we can talk about that later. But <laughs> I'm, I'm actually currently reading the book Marathon Woman by Catherine Switzer. And she talks about nice. that, how when she entered the Boston Marathon, that, yeah, there was no rule specifically saying that a woman couldn't yeah. be in the race because, frankly, they just assumed that women couldn't run that distance. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it, it, there's definitely some parallels here <laughs> with Madge's story mm -hmm. and just entering. Uh, but Anyway, so, okay, so she's entered, but what mm -hmm. happened at the competition? Madge ended up winning silver. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Second only to the famous Ulrich Salchow of Sweden, who dominated figure skating at the time and for whom the Salchow jump is named. So, yeah, the Salchow jump. Like, if you've watched figure skating, you've heard this name. Yeah. I heard this name not knowing much about this guy. It said that the many people who attended actually thought that Madge should have won. Mm -hmm. And it's also said that Sal Chow himself actually offered his gold medal to her because of how impressed he was by his by her performance. So good on him. Yeah. Way to be a good sport. Yeah. To put this in perspective, how big a deal it was for her to show up at this competition. English women over the age of 21 were not given the right to vote until 1928. 
So this was really a brave decision on her part. Yeah, and to kind of get back to our guy Ulrich here, it really seems that many men actually welcomed the addition of women into the sport. And according to one source that I found, it said, quote, engaging socially with women in public was still seen as quite a novelty, and the male competitors welcomed more opportunities to do so. But my question is, did all men feel that way? (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) What a dream, but of course not. While the competitors overall seemed to be pretty cool with her competing against them, it should come as no surprise that it was the male decision makers who had a problem. Of course. Madge's performance caused the International Skating Union to basically freak out and discuss the issue of whether women should compete against men when they had their annual Congress in 1903. Yeah, and after this discussion that they had when they freaked out, they came up with a list of perfectly reasonable concerns, which, if you can't hear it, that's that's a lot of <laughs> sarcasm <laughs> right there, okay? So here are their list of concerns. First... How can the judges effectively see the feet of the competitor when they are wearing a dress? Completely unsolvable problem, obviously. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh uh uh, Two, what if a judge was romantically interested in a female competitor? This could compromise their ability to be unbiased because we know how important it's always been to be unbiased in figure skating, right? We've never seen bias enter into the equation. (laughs) Never. Never. Yeah. So glad that they were concerned about fairness. Right. And finally, their big third concern was they were just concerned that, hey, you simply can't compare men to women. And I don't know what else to say about that one. (laughs) So to try to address their concerns, Madge actually started a fashion trend by wearing calf length dresses so that judges could clearly see her footwork. But even so, the all-male Congress of the ISU voted six to three to bar women from entering the championships. Yeah, so, you know, here she is being a fashion icon to try to fit into their concerns and make sure she's abiding by the rules. And even so, we got we got six guys saying no. But, but hey, I mean, there were three in there who seemed OK with it. I mean, I guess that's not the you know, it's a. am actually a little impressed that there were that many who were OK with it at the yeah. time. Yeah, I'm grateful for those three. <laughs> Yeah. Um, So speaking of one of the ISU delegates who had voted in favor for the inclusion of women was this guy by the name of G.H. Fowler. And he decided to actually write his own statement about why these three concerns were totally unfair. So in his words, quote, that the dress prevents the judges from seeing the feet to this, we answer that it is impossible to skate figures properly properly in a long dress. The dress must be short. So, yeah, right off the bat, he's like, 
this reason is crap. We can just throw it out the window. Um, yeah. Yeah. Next, he said that a judge might judge a girl to whom he was attached. We reply that if a man were so little of an honorable sportsman as to be willing to judge in this case, his association would certainly not permit it. So, you know, in other words, he's saying if that were to happen, then obviously there would be consequences for showing that kind of bias and and you would deal with that situation. And then finally, he said that it is difficult to compare women with men. We respond that the woman must be judged in every respect exactly as a man is judged. So in other words, he's saying the same rules should just apply. The idea that one would be judged in a different way and you would change the rules somehow based on their sex is just ridiculous. So, you know what? Bravo, G.H. Fowler. (laughs) Bravo for your logic. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. And and that his solutions were just simple. Yeah. Um, or that his statements were simple. Like I I wonder if in his head he was like, oh my gosh, these <laughs> morons, like get over yourselves. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. We like him. So undaunted by the ISU's new sexist manifesto, Madge focused her attention elsewhere. So in 1903, she won the first British Figure Skating Championships which started as a mixed competition, very progressive for them at the time. And she won. Who came in second? Her own husband, Edgar. Meanwhile, the National Ice Skating Association was lobbying the ISU to allow female figure skaters. And in 1905, they rescinded their no girls allowed policy by creating a separate women's singles competition. They called this the ladies championship instead of the world championship and they held it both on a different day and different venue. So they were making changes, kicking and screaming. (laughs) Very reluctant. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The first of these ladies' championships was held in 1906 in Switzerland, where there were five competitors, with Madge unsurprisingly taking first. She would successfully defend her title in Vienna the next year. Yeah, so, I mean... Again, they're making changes, kicking and screaming, not even giving it the status of a world championship, making sure that it's held on a different day, a different place. Mm -hmm. But at least they are putting their stamp of approval that women can compete in their own category. And of course, yeah, there were only five competitors. But again, this is more about opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. And it's no surprise that the first competition is Mm -hmm. not going to have a ton of people. But when that happens, people take note and they inspire. And I mean, obviously, it took off. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see that start to change really, really quickly here. But tell you what, let's take a quick little break and then we will come back and continue Madge's story and see where she goes from here now that women finally can compete officially on the world stage. I love to run, but there's nothing that demotivates me from a morning run more than a bad night's sleep. That's one of many reasons why I bought a Layla mattress. Layla is an out-of-the-box, copper-infused foam mattress that comes straight to your door and conforms to whatever position you sleep in while keeping your body nice and cool. 
Each mattress is designed with a firm side and a soft side, so you can pick your favorite, or switch it up like we do. Plus, their pillows are the best, heads down. See what I did there? Click the link in our show notes to learn more about Layla, because when you sleep better, you feel better. All right, so while Madge was racking up some trophies for herself, it was announced that the Olympic Games would be moved to London, which, of course, we talked about in our 1908 episode. And it was announced that these games would include figure skating for the first time. So Madge and Edgar set their sights on attending the games, of course. I mean... It's in their hometown. Why not, right? (laughs) Uh, In fact, talk about a home field advantage. The competition was scheduled to be held at the Prince's Skating Club, where Madge had learned to skate and where she had met Edgar. The singles competition, furthermore, was going to be made up of two parts, kind of like today, but at this time it was called the compulsory skate and the free skate. So, I, I, th- I don't know. I thought that was really interesting that back in its very beginning of the sport, they were splitting it up into two pieces like that for the judging. Yeah. And also just like a note about mm-hmm. the competition being held at their skating club. I mean, this was like their destiny. Yeah. Everything <laughs> was kind of coming together. This was meant to be. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the fourth Olympiad London 1908 official report written by Theodore Cook stated that Madge Sires was, quote, in a class all her own, as all five judges placed her first in both the compulsory and the free skates. So just first place across the board, no question. I mean, that's pretty fantastic you would not see that happen today obviously but still oh which by the way so you know we're talking about her obviously being the first you know female gold medalist for figure skating but the first men's gold medalist in figure skating was none other than our guy Ulrich Salchow so here we so happy for him he deserves that but anyway Kind of moving on from her success there, she and Edgar also entered the pairs event. Now, there were only three pairs entered, so they were guaranteed a medal no matter what, and they ended up winning bronze. But what's interesting about this is that Edgar Sires, to this day, is still the oldest figure skater to win an Olympic medal. So... That's something That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to sorry to put you on the spot. Do you remember how old he was at the Olympics? Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. When they met, he was 36 because he was mm-hmm. he was 18 years older than her. And that was in that was in 1899. So we've got to add nine years to that. So he would have been 40 five am i doing that math right all right i just googled you'll be happy to know that your math was correct yes <laughs> um yep he was 45 cool so i wonder if that record will be broken i i don't know yeah you never know yeah i mean i guess it could be but i mean 
I don't know. I'm 37 and I feel like things are falling apart. So, and, uh-huh. and I don't train to the level that these athletes uh-huh. do. So I think that it would be, yeah. it would be hard to see a, a man of at 45 winning an Olympic medal, but, but who knows? Maybe yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I can't imagine it. I feel like it's fair to see someone in their thirties now at the Olympics, especially in skating. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So if it's like we're already struggling to have someone in the thirties. Yeah. Oh gosh. I don't know. Surprisingly, Madge retired from competitive skating after the 1908 games, but this appears to be due to health problems that were beginning to make competing difficult for her. The details on this are a bit vague in the research, but that's also because the medical field was still pretty vague too. So they just may not have known what was wrong with her or how to treat it. Just a prescription of deal with it. But whatever the problem was, she didn't feel she could safely compete anymore. So she went out on top. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go out, I guess that's that's the way to do it. And and frankly, I mean, how many you know, female figure skating champions do we see do exactly the same thing now? Right. Still, Madge didn't completely leave the world of figure skating. She and Edgar wrote three books together, two about skating and a third one, a poetry book about skating. Uh, Now, the two books about skating, uh, as far as the sport goes, were titled the Book of Winter Sports, which was published in 1908. So 1908 was a, a very productive year for them, I suppose. And then the second one was called The Art of Skating International Style, which was published in 1913. And that book actually featured pictures of her and Edgar actually demonstrating different techniques. So I'm sure if they were still around today, they'd have a whole TikTok and YouTube channel devoted to skating tutorials. They were they were pioneers in using visual media to teach people, (laughs) which is pretty cool, I think. (laughs) That is cool. Now, we have to talk about this poetry book, though. (laughs) The poetry book that they worked on together was called The Poetry of Skating being a collection of verses by various hands commending and describing that graceful art. Obviously the easiest title to remember in the world. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep. I need to read that book (laughs) or maybe we can get you reading some of the poetry, just like you read Kubraton's Ode to Sport. I think that was a one-time thing. (laughs) (laughs) And you did so great. In their first book, she wrote, Many English women have become remarkably proficient, equal, indeed, to any but the very best of the other sex. Skating is an exercise particularly appropriate for women. It requires not so much strength as grace, combined with a fine balance and the ability to move the feet rapidly. In these qualifications, a woman has often the advantage, particularly in our own country, as Englishmen are usually inclined to be rather slow <laughs> and heavy skaters. <laughs> Dang, man. I'm here for it. Yeah, that is a serious burn for an ice skater. Um, I, I don't know. I love that quote so much. Oh, yeah, I, she knew. Yeah, I, I just think it's so funny that she went out of her way to make that point and to talk about 
how hey we can do this uh-huh. too this is not a problem <laughs> so oh yeah she she absolutely knew what she was doing yeah i feel like um thinking about that time mm-hmm. in history um i feel like she would have been part of the suffrage movement yeah yeah i mean and you know maybe she was and we just don't know about it but uh yeah she <laughs> definitely was again a pioneer in terms of advocating for women being in sports Mm -hmm. and you know writing books even promoting that idea which is really cool now okay i guess i guess you are going to get your wish a little bit i am going to read an excerpt real quick of one of edgar's poems from the poetry book so okay yeah i'm not going to read the whole thing obviously but here is a little snippet And this is actually a poem that Edgar wrote specifically about Madge, and he entitled it To My Lady's Skates. I don't know why he's writing to her skates. Maybe he should just maybe it should just be to my lady, but whatever. To my lady's skates. So for your enjoyment, here we go. The praise of glove, a fan or shoe, many fool a ode relates. May not my muse, with theme more new, commend my lady skates. F little feet to guide these blades, my mistress fair provides, and sweetest of our glacial maids on them serenely glides. Okay, now... Well done. Thank you. Well done. Now, I'm not sure what F little feet means. I actually tried to look up the Victorian meaning of F... (laughs) spelled EFF, but Google kept giving me, well, the modern meaning of that word. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, not sure what he was going for there or what he meant, but uh, anyway. (laughs) So, you know, talking of the whole Coubertin poem, uh, which, of course, he won a gold medal for at 1912, which will be the next games we talk about. I do wonder if Edgar ever considered submitting his poetry in the artistic competition for the Olympics. Or maybe he did, but didn't win. I mean, hmm. he's he's talking about F little feet. So, you know, that may have disqualified him. So... <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Madge's health continued to deteriorate. On September 9th, 1917, at just 35 years old, she died of heart failure due to acute endocarditis. Although some sources say that she died in childbirth. I guess they could both be true, but we didn't find any record of her giving birth or any stillbirth, but I suppose it's possible. Yeah, I did a little bit of digging on that and could not find anything. I found several sources that mentioned the childbirthing, but they all were kind of pointing at each other. There was no definitive proof of her being pregnant and then maybe because of her health, maybe, you know, that causing a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't know for sure if that was the case. It just is one of those things that some people throw out there as a possible factor, I think. Um, but I don't know. It's it's still sad. Uh, and I feel like we keep having these stories of, you know, people <laughs> passing these pioneers in the sport yeah. passing away too young. I mean, you know, we had 
exactly the same thing with George Iser, where we don't know why he passed away, but he died young as well. And yeah. here we've got Madge Sires, um, you know, really very young, 35 years old. That's younger than I am right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's sad. It is. It really is. But we do need to, I guess, briefly talk about Edgar. So what, you know, what was he up to after Madge passed away? Because obviously he was a big part of her story, being both her coach and her husband. So it doesn't look like he ever competed much after 1908. I think that was kind of their their heyday and then he really just focused on coaching after that we do know that in 1921 so four years uh after madge's death uh he did get remarried so this is now wife number three for him um his wife his wife ava who was 21 at the time so he was 58 he has a type (laughs) uh yeah he's getting younger and younger it seems like um you do the math anyway uh so he actually ended up living until 1942 when he was 82 years old and from what i could find it appears that he died of natural causes of you know being 82 years old but uh but that's really kind of what we know for him so his life was devoted to ice skating figure skating promoting the sport teaching the next generation um and again you know creepiness factor aside obviously he had a major impact on the sport by supporting her and encouraging mm-hmm. her to enter these competitions where in an age when it would have been unusual for someone's husband to say yeah how about you go buck the system right yeah it does seem like they were a really good team and that he it was not one of these situations where just because he was older he was just trying to control her keep her in a box like it he yeah helped her thrive it seems yeah from what we know it actually seems like it was very much the opposite he was trying to actually enable and empower Mm -hmm. her to be able to excel at her sport so you know that's commendable for the age that he was in but yeah let's finish though talking about madge because she's really one we want to focus on here and as the first female gold medalist in figure skating you know what's her what's her legacy what can we look back on and honor her for In terms of her long-term legacy, Madge busted down the icy walls of figure skating in a bold way, opening the way for the next generation of female figure skaters. But she also empowered all figure skaters, regardless of their sex, with both her actions and also the books she and Edgar wrote together. In 1981, she was inducted into the World Figure Skating Hall of Fame in recognition of her accomplishments. And of course, today, figure skating is one of the most popular Olympic events. And today's Olympic champs in figure skating are considered sports royalty, especially in the women's singles event. But all of that traces back to Madge Sires as the first queen of figure skating. Yeah, and that's a pretty awesome legacy when you think about it. Yeah, I feel like if she could see what figure skating looks like today, especially for women. um, It's one of those things like she she had no idea what what she was paving the way for. 
Yeah, no, I mean, and, and who could? None of us can see right. the future, right? But, but I think we can be grateful because you know who knows what the sport would have looked like or where it would have gone if she hadn't decided, hey, I'm just going to show up at the World Championships and compete against the men anyway, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's it. All goes back to her willingness to put herself out there like that and show that she could go toe to toe or you know, blade to blade, I guess I should say, um, with, with the men. Yeah. And that's pretty awesome. But, you know, it, it is too bad again with her dying so young that she missed out by a few years on being able to see the arrival of a separate winter Olympic games. You know, I, in my heart, I wish she could have seen mm -hmm. that moment. I wish she could have seen winter sports grow to the point where they needed their own venue yeah. to celebrate. So <sighs> it's too bad. It is, it <laughs> is, but we love yeah. her. And I'm glad that we decided to talk about her. But with that, we are going to leave behind London 1908. And we're going to look forward to Stockholm 1912, which was nicknamed the Swedish Masterpiece. And it's still the only time that Sweden has been host to the Olympic Games so far. So I don't know, maybe they'll throw their hat in the ring. But that seems crazy to me that they've only hosted that one yeah. time. And Stockholm 1912 will be the last Olympic Games that we talk about in this first season. So we'll talk about the games. We will probably highlight an athlete <laughs> from those games like we normally do. Uh, but but that's what we're going to actually close out this first season on before we take a little bit of a break. Uh, but even so, if you enjoyed this episode, and we really hope you did, then we hope you'll come back next time for our discussion about Stockholm 1912. And hey, if you're on Reddit or you're not on Reddit, then you should get on there and join the really awesome community of Olympics and Paralympics fans that are there. Because uh, seriously, it's been a lot of fun talking about the news and old stuff and history. And so yeah, surprise Surprisingly more fun and friendly than what I was expecting out of social media. But until next time, Odyssey later. The Games Odyssey podcast is a production of Wardrobe Media LLC. This episode was written, hosted, produced, and edited by Jonathan Jordan and co-hosted by Sarah Patton. Show notes, including research sources and transcripts, can be found on our website, gamesodyssey.com. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Games Odyssey podcast is strictly for informational, commentary, and educational purposes. The Games Odyssey podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC and is not sponsored, endorsed, or officially affiliated with the USOPC or the International Olympic Committee or International Paralympic Committee. The content of Games Odyssey podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content features in the Games Odyssey podcast is accurate.